It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Now, here's our teacher, Ruth Christian. Good afternoon, ladies. As we begin today, let's remember that in this chapter, John has been writing about hindrances to our fellowship with God. Sin, which is disobedience, not loving another, love of the world, allowing false teaching, you know, the spirit of Antichrist, to to change what a person has known from the beginning about Jesus. You know, that, that's the thing that comes against our fellowship. And then what have we known since the beginning? What did those that John was um, speaking to know from the very beginning? What had they been taught? Well, that he is the eternal one, the Son of God, and that's important. So in today's verses now, verses 24 through 27 in chapter 2, John is still dealing with the spirit of Antichrist. He does not want the spirit to be a threat to his spiritual children. So, you know, that it affects their relationship with God. He's really a good spiritual father to, to them and has such a love for them. Well, in verse 24, he says, Therefore... Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Well, the first thing we see is a therefore. So we know there's some kind of a conclusion here when you see that. And the thing to ask, you know, you've probably heard people say this, is what's the therefore therefore? Well, in light of the danger of the spirit of Antichrist, We must protect ourselves against the spirit of Antichrist by abiding in the original core Christian message. That's what he's saying here. That which you heard from the beginning. We would say the gospel. As we walk in the simplicity and power of that message, we will not be led astray. Humans by nature are almost always attracted to something just because it's new. (laughs) We almost always think of new as better. But when it comes to truth, the truth of God's word, new is not better. When he says, that which you heard from the beginning, that is better. There is much of this going around in the church today. This is difficult because we're tempted to be tossed to and fro and carried about by with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's Ephesians 4, verse 14. We often itch for something new and exciting, even if it departs from that which you heard from the beginning. Now, when he says the, that, that phrase, for these believers... He describes a time when they were under the teaching of the apostles, which is now recorded for us in the New Testament. So for us, simply put, we we abide in what is from the beginning when we stay close to our Bibles. If that was your environment when you were a young believer, a young Christian, wonderful. But if it was not, then put yourself in that environment now. Get into your Bible. Stay close to your Bible. 
trust God and his words in your Bible. If you've gotten away from the, that environment of staying close to your Bible, get back to it. For the believer, there is not a better environment to be in. When John writes, let that abide in you, he doesn't mean just knowing it, but living it. When we're living in the simplicity of the truth of Jesus Christ, then we will abide in the Son and in the Father. Our world is filled with people searching for God, some sincerely and some not so sincerely. But if someone wants to really live in God, John tells us how. Let the message of the apostles recorded in our Bibles, that which you heard from the beginning, live in you. John will use the word abide six times in these few verses, and the idea is repeated throughout the New Testament. Many of these verses, when he uses the word abide, it's in the present tense in the Greek. So again, it should be a lifestyle. It's something you keep on keeping on about. You keep on abiding. Abiding in Jesus, living in Jesus, is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. We must give ourselves mentally and spiritually to living in Jesus. Yet not only are we called to abide in him, but we also know that he abides in us. It's a two-way relationship. That's amazing. That's an amazing truth that he lives in us. He abides in us. Then in verse 25, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Eternal life doesn't just mean a life that lasts for eternity. It describes the kind of life that God, the eternal one, you know that one we learned about in the first um, lesson when we really got into to First John? The eternal one, it's the life that he has in himself. And when we're born again, it's the real life that he gives us. That life that we share with him and with each other, that's, that's what we call fellowship. What a great promise. And we have the promise of eternal life then, right now. It's not just a future thing. Verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. And then verse 27, he says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. John knew there was deception among these early Christians, and it concerned him. This abiding and the anointing is what enables them to continue in the truth. John first referred to the anointing back in verse 20. This anointing is not the private property of a few special, spectacular Christians. The false teaching, again, it's the false teaching of the Gnostics that said they had a higher knowledge, and because of it, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God because they, if he had a body, um, he could not have been God because a body is sinful, and so on. So that was their teaching. John is saying, don't be fooled by that claim. Don't let them deceive you. 
all Christians have the presence of God's Spirit within them. It was Jesus who told us he would send the Holy Spirit, who would teach us all things. John's message is simple. Because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit given to all believers, they possess, we all possess the resources for knowing truth. And just as the anointing of the Holy Spirit has taught us, the anointing also guides us closer to Jesus. That's why he says, so we abide in him. Now I want to note something here. These verses are not saying then that we have no need for teachers, <laughs> Te- that teachers are unnecessary. And some people, you hear some people say that when they read this verse. Oh, and that's because they're taking it out of context. Because one of the resources for knowing truth is the reminder giving to, given to us by teachers as they teach, or a teacher like John here sending this message to those who knew the truth. Ephesians 4.11 tells us God gave teachers to the church, and the early church devoted itself to teaching, Acts 2, verse 42. So that's not what's being said here. John is not denying the necessity of, of true teaching. Rather, he is denying the validity of false teaching. Remember, back in the beginning, in the first four verses of the letter, John began laying the foundwork for the Trinity. Here we finally have the first of his teaching concerning God, the Holy Spirit. In our last past two lessons, we've had the contrast between the spirit of deception and the spirit of truth. Well, dear sisters, we can discern truth from error. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We can know truth from lies. And not only does the anointing of the Holy Spirit teach us, it guides us into a closer walk with Jesus. And it doesn't get any better than that. So until next time, we have much to think about. But, um, well, you know, stay close to Jesus and keep looking up.